Luke chapter 22, verses 47 through 71. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they, be- as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy who is it that struck you and they said many other things against him blaspheming him when day came the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together both chief priests and scribes and they led him away to their council and they said if you are the christ tell us but he said to them if i tell you you will not believe and if i ask you you will not answer but from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so we are we are here on the mountaintop, uh, you know, getting right here to the to the crucifixion of Christ, and Christ is now on trial. Peter ha- has fallen away; he he's denied Christ three times. Jesus is mocked; he's beaten; he's blindfolded um, and, and abused. Uh, and so, uh, a heavy passage today, um, you know. And this is a this is one of the most important moments uh, of, mm. you know, I mean, this is like the central moment or getting to the central moment yeah. of the Christian faith. And so there's a lot going on here, uh, joined by Will Kynes from Birmingham. Will, what, uh, what are your thoughts on everything going on today? Well, when I was reading this and I read verse 53, but this is your hour and mm. the power of darkness. 
it reminded me of that powerful passage from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Aslan is arrested, so to speak, and he gives himself over to the witch and her followers. And so I thought maybe I would just read that passage for us. Please, uh, please indulge us. Uh, Because I I think that it, it just makes this so much more powerful the way that Lewis has envisioned it. So uh, here's how it starts. A great crowd of people were standing all around the stone table, and though the moon was shining, many of them carried torches which burned with evil-looking red flames and black smoke. And right in the middle, standing by the table, was the witch herself. A howl and a gibber of dismay went up from the creatures when they first saw the great lion pacing toward them, and for a moment, even the witch herself seemed to be struck with fear. Then she recovered herself and gave a wild, fierce laugh. The fool, she cried, the fool has come, bind him fast. Lucy and Susan held their breaths, waiting for Aslan's roar and his spring upon his enemies, but it never came. Four hags, grinning and leering, yet also at first hanging back and half afraid of what they had to do, had approached him. Bind him, I say, repeated the white witch. The hags made a dart at him and shrieked with triumph when they found that he made no resistance at all. Then others, evil dwarfs and apes, rushed in to help them, and between them they rolled the huge lion over on his back and tied all his four paws together, shouting and cheering as if they had done something brave. Though, had the lion chosen, one of those paws could have been the death of them all. But he made no noise. Even when the enemies, straining and tugging, pulled the cord so tight that they cut into his flesh, then they began to drag him toward the stone table. Stop, said the witch. Let him first be shaved. Another roar of mean laughter went up from her followers as an ogre with a pair of shears came forward and squatted down by Aslan's head. Snip, snip, snip went the shears and masses of curling gold began to fall to the ground. Then the ogre stood back, and the children, watching from their hiding place, could see the face of Aslan looking all small, indifferent without its mane. The enemies also saw the difference. Why, he's only a great cat after all, cried one. Is that what we were afraid of? said another. And they surged around Aslan, jeering at him, saying things like, How many mice have you caught today, cat? And would you like a saucer of milk, kitty? Oh, how can they, said Lucy, tears streaming down her cheeks. The brutes, the brutes. For now that the first shock was over, the shorn face of Aslan looked to her braver and more beautiful and more patient than ever. I just think that is a a powerful interpretation of the moment that we just read from the book of Luke, where Jesus the son of man, the all-powerful son of God, willingly, patiently, bravely walks into his execution and allows Mm. evil men, as Peter will say in Acts, uh, to mock him and abuse him Mm -hmm. uh, uh, because of his great love. And, you know, if you know the story of the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan has taken on this punishment on behalf of Edmund, one of mm-hmm. the, the the children uh, mm-hmm. who has betrayed them all. Uh, um, so when my parents first read that passage to me when I was a little kid, I was like five, mm. uh, I started weeping 
And so they mm. would say, well, we, we can stop reading. We don't have to keep reading. And I said, no, please keep reading. I need to know what happens. But they would read a few more verses and then I would start crying again. And so they would stop. And apparently it took yeah, a long yeah. time to get through the passage because it's just so such a powerful rendition of the love Gosh. of Christ for us as people. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to add, Will, I think you missed your calling as an audible book reader. <laughs> it is <laughs> I, a dream like, of mine to be able dude, to do I that. I want the whole book by, uh, <laughs> by Will Kynes on audible. I listen to that every day. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm so glad that you read that. Cause, um, I, I do think like, you know, as an artist, as a songwriter, um, I'm all about, so many of these moments in scripture, it's easy to like cathedralize and kind of mm. just be like, and Jesus was mocked and they, you know, they blindfolded him and kept asking him. But it's like, just think of the humanity of this moment and the grit yeah. and, you know, just the desperation and sadness. And, and it really is so powerful as Jesus, you know, he, one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, they shall inherit mm. the earth. Mm -hmm. And, what greater example of meekness uh, of you know not weakness but of strength restrained mm -hmm. and, which is meekness uh, that we see here uh, as christ who's you know he is locally famous for all these incredible signs and then all of that goes out the window here and, and you know he he completely like lets his, his reputation and fandom fall to the ground as, as they mock him as though he can't even prophesy he can't yeah. even he can't even perform the smallest little miracle and you know i'm like i could not have done that <laughs> yeah. and we just see such amazing like truly amazing humility and, and restraint as as christ bears the shame and reproach of of sinful people yeah and uh, well, yeah, what are you? Gonna well, I was going to say, there are a couple other uh, powerful moments in this passage we should also hit. Yeah. And, and yeah, please. I mean, the first is right at the beginning, the moment with the sword. And we talked yesterday about that kind of strange passage where it's like, well, go sell your cloak and buy a sword. And they say, well, we got two. And Jesus says, that's enough. <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't know why that's there. Maybe one thing is that, well, it's got to be there so that they have a sword at this moment. And mm -hmm. then why do they need a sword at this moment? Well, so that they can strike with the sword and then Jesus can tell them don't strike with the sword, right? This is not the <laughs> yeah, way yeah. that my kingdom is going to be ushered in through violence and power. Instead, as mm -hmm. we've just talked about, it's going to be through meekness uh, and suffering that the, the kingdom will be ushered in. And I, I think it's a good reminder to us um, that, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about Christian nationalism and things like that. Uh, but this is a clear indication in this passage here that Christianity is not, um, it's not a religion that is instituted with the sword. It's not instituted by power. Uh, mm. It is instituted through the spirit uh, and through meekness. So if we are ever tempted to gather power in order to use it for what we may even think are good Christian ends, that's, that mm -hmm. Jesus seems to be rejecting that here in this passage. And then we get the powerful passage about Peter denying Jesus three times, just as Jesus said that he would. Uh, mm. And that moment where, uh, verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. That is one of the most chilling moments. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually preached on that to like some of our young adults um, on our uh, spring retreat. Like just 
that moment, Peter's walked so many miles with Jesus. He loves Jesus. And, you know, part of me, like part of the speculative side of me wonders, you know, John, the gospel of John tells us that it was actually Simon Peter who struck uh, the servant's ear and, and cut it off. And then Jesus, you know, rebukes him and tells him to put the sword away. And then Peter goes and denies Jesus three times. And, you know, I kind of speculate and wonder if there was like any sort of grudge or like <laughs> anger that, mm. you know, because uh, Peter repeatedly, you know, he, Jesus foretells his death and, and Peter's like, Jesus, don't say that. And, yeah. you know, there's that famous rebuke of Peter. And so he he's one to want Jesus to kind of pony up and display his power and so, you know, part of me wonders if there's some bitterness there or whatever that resulted in these three uh, famous denials. But yeah, there's this moment where, you know, Peter, whether it's bitterness or, you know, fear for his life or a mixture of all these different emotions, Peter denies Christ and he, he's kind of drunk on the moment. And what a sobering moment. He hears the rooster cries and then his last interaction with Christ before he is killed. The last interaction is this distant eye contact. Hmm. Yeah, uh, this knowing eye contact of this this sad prophecy has been fulfilled. Yeah, uh, it is a it is a bitter moment. I mean, it says, it says he goes out and, and weeps bitterly, but it's also a very convicting moment. Uh, when are those moments in our own lives where hmm. we? deny Christ because we're afraid. And, and, you know, and the kind of people that Peter's afraid, afraid before, uh, you know, a servant girl, uh, he's, you know, he's just so, he's, he's, to his credit, he's close enough that Jesus could see him, right? So he didn't just run away. He's kind of following in the distance. Mm -hmm. um, but then he does not have the, as he said, he would have, uh, mm -hmm. the commitment to own up to the fact that he is a follower of Jesus, even when challenged by a servant girl. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just as we land, when I was uh, teaching on this moment, um, I was basically contrasting Judas and Peter, both, you know, very famously betray mm. or deny Christ. And Judas he kind of goes and tries to undo his blunder. He tries to give the money back and, and set things right. And, you know, he gets scorned by the leaders and then he goes and he takes his own life hmm. and he, he gives into the despair of a sin. And I'm just reminded of Jesus's words. A few verses earlier, he tells Peter, uh, you will, when you turn again, you will strengthen your brothers and that, you know, that this moment is actually going to become foundational in Peter's ministry to strengthen the church and to, to be a leader. And so it, it's very convicting as, you know, we, we all have our moments of, of faithlessness, of mm -hmm. denying Christ in the eyes of men. And, you know, some of us, you know, reading and hearing these words that might be fresh as like this week, like there, mm -hmm. there might be very fresh conviction there, but there's an encouragement here to don't turn in on that and let that be the thing that consumes you. Yeah. But let the promise of Christ that, that that could actually be something that's redeemed and that that's used to strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fall on that promise and, and 
that, you know, Christ, he, he intercedes for you and he loves you and that he still loved Peter and actually sought him out after the resurrection and told him to feed his sheep. And so, yeah. you know, what, what a great moment to know that, that Peter's story is redeemed and that um, despite his sin and faithlessness, Christ remains faithful to him. That's true. And we can have that kind of confidence because as toward the end of this passage, Jesus affirms that even in heading towards the cross, he is actually being enthroned at the right hand of the power of God. Man. Right. In the yes. moment that it would appear to the world to be his moment of greatest weakness, he is actually stepping into power unmatched. Yes. Amen. And this is the kingdom of God. Gosh, so awesome. And we're going to continue into uh, the crucifixion and the triumph of Christ as we continue to finish up the book of Luke. So for Will Kynes, this is Will Carlisle. We will see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.